Welcome to the Get Emergent podcast. Today, we're continuing our new series called Driving Leadership, which is aimed at demystifying leadership by having real conversations with leaders. You'll witness conversations with leaders from all walks of life and learn about what drives them to lead, their development stories, and about some current challenges they may be facing. I'm Bill Berthel, and joining me today is Benifer Dabu. Welcome, Benifer. Thank you. Glad to be here. You have so many rich stories to share today. I can't wait, but let me share with our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do, those leadership roles. Benifer is an educator and a storyteller, and she is the third generation of a family of artists, storytellers, teachers, and philanthropists whose dedication to academics and performing arts is the driving force in her professional career and in her involvement in theater. In her professional career, Benifer is the Senior HR Manager of Learning and Organizational Development at Community Bank right here in Central New York. Uh, She's grateful to use her love for storytelling to engage with people on establishing a deeper and more meaningful connection with their work. Benifer is a rich storyteller. I really can't wait for this conversation. Benifer has a passion for helping others find their passion, which creates an environment where the highest limits of potential are reached, uh, resulting in positive action, building cultural gaps, so much needed today. Oh my gosh, Benifer, and a spirit of paying it forward. Benifer, what is your drive? This, today, I want to really talk about your leadership story and what motivates you to lead. Would you, would you take us on that path? Sure. First of all, thank you so, so, so much. I thank you and the Emergent team for creating this space and for allowing me to share my story and uh, allowing me to learn from the sharing of the story. My leadership path or my leadership journey, I call it as a big happenstance, mm. a big happenstance. And the reason I say that is throughout my life growing up and surrounded by leaders, not knowing that that was the value that they were embodying and surrounded by teachers and people who were simply dedicated to service, people who were simply dedicated to connect and Mm. people who are simply dedicated to listen and know that each and every person, every individual you meet has a story. Every individual you meet has a story. And it is up to you to have them realize their worth of their story and the value of their story. And that has really taken driven my path, created a roadmap to what I'm able to do today. And if I may just go uh, take a step backwards and actually share with you over three decades ago, where actually my journey began from India to my journey to the United States. And I think that will kind of uh, tie in a little knot as to where I'm going with this. I believe very strongly that a leader, everyone has a different definition for a leader, right? Everyone describes it with different words. But for me, it's grounded in being an infinite learner, in being a student. 
tell us more about that, that idea of continual learning, infinite students. What, what does that mean to you? Yeah. So the reason I say that is two reasons. One is when you are a student, you are embodying the values of curiosity because you want to learn. Mm-hmm. When you are a student, you are listening because you want to know. When you are a student, you have that humility because you are willing to admit that you don't know everything. Mm, And then when you are a student, you have to make new discoveries, be willing to explore. And my personal favorite, fail, 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 fail. Mm. And when you embrace that failure, you create or propel, I would say, toward vulnerability. And when you propel toward vulnerability, you are able to then receive and be grateful, which in turn propels joy and adds that skip in your step of a young learner. Um, It reminds me of this quote from Tagore, which goes like this. And then I'll share my journey, my story about uh, uh, that goes decades ago. I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I awoke and saw that life was service. I acted and behold, service was joy. And that's by Rabindranath Tagore. And in that service, is joy is where the crux of my understanding of leadership is Mm -hmm. because that's what I grew up seeing with people all around me. So now a little bit of a story of the journey. I came to the United States. I left my country, my home in India at the age of 19. And I was an immigrant in the United States in 1982, which was 38 years ago. I've been married that long, too. We'll be celebrating our 38th wedding anniversary on August 29th. My husband, if you're listening, happy anniversary. Congratulations. Um, (laughs) I know. Thank you. (laughs) And learning to make life in a new land as an adult and then starting to learn and understand what living those values that I already grew up with, the one that I just mentioned earlier, Yes. I learned about that then, that I was experiencing that, but I had to relearn it, if that makes sense. Because at that, at 19, coming to a different country, a different land, I had to relearn who I was. I needed to understand. I knew where I came from, but I had absolutely no idea at 19 how I was going to offer my own story. Mm. And that began the journey of self-awareness, the humility, the failures, the mistakes, the cultural shock, all of those values that I just mentioned earlier. And wealth of stories. I love stories. I loved stories as a child. My mother was a wonder, is a wonderful storyteller, and so is my dad. Um, and being able to share stories off stage and on, I think really creates a foundation 
of where you come from and an understanding of bridging those cultural gaps. So much of your leadership work is in theater. I'm so interested to hear more about your leadership in theater. What has that been for you? Yeah, so I was really, really blessed to understand. I knew what theater was about in India from the perspective of telling stories and from the perspective of a very different culture, right? Mm -hmm. But when I came to the United States as 19 and landed in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and my husband went to MIT, he has his Master of Science from Architecture in, in MIT, so I was very blessed to be in a most beautiful, not only the most beautiful city, but also a wonderful, exciting university with mm -hmm. people and teachers and mentors that I had the benefit of meeting and learning uh, as, as a way of my husband being there. So my very first exposure to theater in America was the, was the MIT Kresge Auditorium, the MIT Drama Shop at 19. Oh, and wow. my very first experience of humility was when I walked into the library of the MIT and saw a typewriter, and I had studied or learned on a typewriter with sticky keys. For those of you who are listening and know what I'm talking about will be able to relate to this, right? I'm dating myself, but I'm willing to do that. <laughs> uh, and I walk to this typewriter and I'm telling the, um, and, I, and I'm, I, I go to the librarian and I say, excuse me, ma'am, uh, this typewriter is broken. And uh, she looks at me like uh, like I'm from another another world, and says, "No, no, my dear, it's 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 fine. It's, it's working. It's it's perfectly fine." And I said, "Nope, it does not have those sticky keys that you know that that's right." <laughs> and, and you're then, 19, course, you said, right? And I'm 19. A very, a very young woman. Yes, yes. I'm a very young woman, and I'm I'm I, I know exactly what I'm talking about. Damn it, right. this typewriter is broken. <laughs> right. um, and the reason I said that with so much certainty is because. Yeah. I come from a family. My grandfather started a commercial institute where he mm. taught typewriting and shorthand and, and accountancy and economics and English. And I come from a generation of these teachers and entrepreneurs. And I studied typewriting and know it from the back of my hand. And right. I'm a brilliant typist. And I know what a typewriter looks like, right? So anyway, so, so I go there. And then she shows me. And she tells me, can you look at this little ball over there inside turning around? And I'm like, oh, OK, well then, let's see how this works. And then she shows me this little correction tape where she says, and if you make mistakes, my dear, you can, you know, clear it. And I'm like, I don't make mistakes. Uh, <laughs> of course, not having the luxury of a correction tape in the early mid-1970s when I was learning typing in India on that little sticky keys where you could not make mistakes. There was no correction tape. I have the honor of knowing you a little bit, Benifer, and your confidence is part of your your drive to lead. I know that, but more so, even more so is your servant leadership style. Tell, tell us, tell us how you, you balance those. I, I, I think some people would think, well, that, that level of drive and confidence of an individual might not have them thinking so much about others, but that's not the case with you. You are such a servant oriented leader. Tell me how you balance those two, your confidence and your desire to serve. 
Yeah, um, I'm taking a pause because I'm thinking of uh, another story that comes to mind, and I'm trying to yeah. see how I can articulate that. I think that you can never forget where you come from. Yes. And if you are really, really rooted and grounded in that belief, it doesn't matter what you go through or what is in front of you. Mm. If you are aligning that and bringing a visual or a vision or a picture or a moment of serenity in your heart of thinking of those stories and values that of where you came from, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. It doesn't matter what is thrown in your path. And I will share this, this, uh, this one story that comes to mind, if I may. Yeah, please do. And I want to start with what I read, and then I'll jump to the story. I read a couple of months ago in a book that very few of us get a chance to leave footprints on the moon or create mm. the Taj Mahal or create a company like Apple and all of that, right? Sure. But the real treasures, or the real, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember, uh, think of what I read, so uh, excuse my pause a little bit, but the real treasures that we leave behind is when we, when we care for someone else, when we give them the gift of really listening, when we actually show up, and when I say show up, really showing up intentionally with focus, looking at that person in the eye and connecting, uh, taking care of an aging parent, raising a child, being willing to embrace a new culture, a new land with the same enthusiasm, excitement, respect, civility, and grace that you would if you were in your own. And make the choices of creating our own artistic creations that we produce. And if we do all of that, then it is up to us. It is up to us to balance and create those stories in the hearts and minds of the people that we touch and the work that we do. And the rest of it, the titles, the salary, the this, the that, the money, the badges, all those little badges, that, that, that just doesn't matter. That just takes care of itself if this becomes the foundation. And now I'll share a story of how I experienced that. I shared the story of my coming to MIT and um, mm -hmm. being introduced to the world of theater and the genres of American theater. But I yes. also, my professional career started, my very first job, the way I started was camping in Boston, in different companies in Boston. I did not know what a temp agency is or meant, just like I did not know what an electronic typewriter looked like, right? And right. my very first job was at a Berkeley College of Music, Berkeley College oh, wow. of Music. And for an artist and for a storyteller, a theater, wow, my job was this. My job was to sit in the basement of the Berkeley College of Music and accept admission papers from different students coming in. Mm. And I had to take the form and separate the blue from the pink, attach it to the white, 
staple it, give it back to the student, smile, say thank you, and show them the way upstairs to the theater. I uh -huh. had to do that routine, separate the blue from the white, attach it to the pink, staple it, give it to the student, say thank you, and show them the way. In doing that, for six hours a day, in doing that, <laughs> and when I shared this story, someone said, oh my God, I would never do that. I would put a fork in my eyes before I, you know, uh, before I actually would do the, no, no way. Not a but glamorous me, job, right? Not a glamorous Not a glamorous job. job. But for me, hey, I was in America in yes, the basement yes. of a beautiful theater. Yes. Wow. And I'm learning and listening to the most beautiful music being created. And I have that opportunity and a chance to go upstairs in the theater and sit in this beautiful theater and look around and see my dad and mom and brother and sister and myself telling stories on that stage. And knowing that one day there will be a platform like that for me to tell a story and share my stories mm -hmm. because I was bursting as a 19-year-old to tell people that I am trying to find my identity, and as soon as I find one, I am right there in your face telling you all about it, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And it reminds me of a quote from C.S. Lewis, which is from the play called The Shadowlands, which I was blessed to be in it. I played the role of Joy Gresham, uh, who is an American Jewish journalist. Figure that one out, right? Years later, mm -hmm. I went on to play that. And uh, it goes like this. The pain then is part of the happiness now. The pain then is part of the happiness now. And I didn't mm. understand that or know about that quote until I had to do research for this play and for the character when I had a chance to play in it. And I also understood a year ago when I read Sean Archer's book, The Happiness Advantage, when mm -hmm. he said that when you are not, and again, I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember the exact quote, that when you're not finding fulfillment in what you're doing, then find the joy in what you are doing already. Mm -hmm. And I always go back to these two moments, always go back to the two moments. The, the typewriter at MIT, the Kresge Auditorium at MIT, and the Berkeley College of Music, the basement, separating the blue from the pink, attach it to the white, give it to the student to show him the pathway upstairs to the theater. How wonderful is that for a teacher? And I share that as a teacher when I'm holding my workshops in theater for the students or when I'm sharing this with fellow actors. Or, or when I'm trying to understand the rawness of the character that I'm either creating or I'm blessed enough to work with a director who's creating that. And over time, I got a chance to work at different offices and the way I built my professional career was everywhere I went, it was not the basement of any company. It ended up being the first floor and the second floor and the third floor. And there was a time when I worked on the 58th floor of John Hancock Life Insurance Company in the mailroom, but <laughs> I was on the 58th floor of the John Hancock Life Insurance Company, right? And everywhere I went, I created stories, not stories, but instructions for someone to do the job when I left. Because remember, I was a 10th. I was a consultant. I was just temping there for a while, 
right? Sure. So yes. I would leave that little book as a thank you gift, not the book, but of course the instructions, paper staples. And I would leave it with the with the supervisor, the manager, and say, here are the instructions of my job, of what I did. Now, it's not really much to instruct when you're just stapling papers, but still there is sure. a process that is created. And that formed the foundation for me to learn how to be an instructional designer. Yeah, so everything I did and where I went, I was so blessed. I was so blessed that because I think being a learner and a student is so important to being a leader, by being a student and by learning and by preparing and by teaching, you are then learning yourself. Does that make sense? Oh, Benifer, I love the way you frame that. The leader is a continual learner. We yeah. believe that firmly, that that's so important. I love the way you bring your service leadership into your work and that, that enriches your already um, su such rich, interesting stories that, that you have. Some of our listeners like to understand some of the challenges we're facing as leaders. I think, one, it makes us feel understood because we're we're all challenged and this is a this has been a challenging time for many of us but what would you share as some current challenges that are either in your field or you know as a leader some current challenges you're facing and, and what you're doing to meet those challenges yes sometimes one of the challenges that i find is the lack of willingness to embrace the continuous learning aspect of it and shifting mindset. Yeah. And I have to then check myself and learn to be patient and humble with receiving that, sure. that, that behavior, that feeling. And lack of willingness to embrace the learning aspect and listening aspect it creates a roadblock with mm -hmm. not being able to change your perspective and not being able to shift your mindset. And sometimes whether it's cultural or whether it's uh, deep rooted in someone's belief, mm -hmm. um, and then you have to do some soul work yourself, right? So the way I meet those challenges is I have to step away, take a breath, pause my zeal of, um, moving forward and run, 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 run. To use Ralph, uh, our friend Ralph Simone's word, slow down to go fast, right? Absolutely, so I have yes. To, I have to apply that principle of uh, do some soul work, slow down, give a pause, walk away without judgment, without the guilt, if you know that you have done everything that you can. Another challenge I also uh, feel sometimes challenging is driving engagement to convince people to tap into their um, intrinsic motivation. They're, they're, mm, they're mm -hmm. looking within before they look out, call in before you call out, right? Intrinsic yes. motivation. And the reason I go there is because I want them to then understand why it's important to make that investment in that growth. Uh, I think Absolutely. your intrinsic motivation kind of gives you that, that force and propels you to move forward to invest. Uh, and then, of course, constantly keeping up with the evolution of the learning landscape and trying to curate 
which stories I want to share and be have it be a part of to make that impact so that I can relate to the other person. Thank you, Benifer. That's that's beautiful. And I, I love that uh that love the piece of you know, inside first, then outside, right? As a coach, sometimes we share it's an inside job first, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Uh, yes, it is such yes. an inside job. Yes, yes. No, I, I love that. And it's so important in your role at Community Bank as the senior HR manager of learning and organizational development. So that, that learning piece is so understandably near and dear to you. In that spirit, what top pieces of advice, maybe your top three pieces of advice you'd give our listeners around leadership? Okay, you asked me top three pieces, right? <clears throat> now, I'm a storyteller. You can never stop me at three. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, don't want, I don't want to live you because I love your stories. Uh, so. <laughs> yes. No, so I, I will be very mindful of that. So, so this, is, this, is, this is what I think I'll, I'll, I'll say. I shared this in a workshop a couple of months ago, so I will share that. It comes to mind immediately. Great. So first I'll share this statement. The meaning that we bring into our work, meaning, that meaning, that true yes. intrinsic meaning that we talk about, it comes from working towards something and giving something away, right? Mm. It comes from giving something away, service, again, rooted in service. So mm -hmm. based on that thought, I have an acronym, GIVE, G-I-V-E. And this is what it means. G is the gift of gratitude, which brings joy. It's a powerful human emotion. I, infinite learner, my favorite. Infinite learner, infinite learner, interest in others, inviting curiosity. That's your I. Mm -hmm. V, V for vulnerability, to fail. Mm -hmm. Fail, my other favorite, because that grounds you in humility. And the last one, E, empathy. Empathy, not sympathy, that is important, but empathy, mm -hmm. which propels action, which is grounded in service. Empathy, I think, is grounded in service. Yes. And uh, when we can truly give, with these values, giving the gift of these values, then we can, I think, intentionally, we can think, we can see, we can feel, we can act, and we can really be conscious of the stories that we are telling and receiving. Well, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. You're such a resilient leader, and if I can say this, a resilient soul, Benifer. What are your secrets or tips, or what do you do for restorative practices so you can keep coming back to this giving, right? So I think some leaders might be a little challenged today to hear like, oh, yeah, I know that's right, but there's so much going on that's so difficult. They might be focused on the challenge. What do you do to build that resiliency so you can, you can keep serving as a leader? I know you do it, and that's why I'm asking you. Yeah, so growing up, this was instilled in me. I have tremendous faith in my faith. Mm-hmm. I have a ritual every single morning that I begin, that I always begin my day with. Yes. And that is not quiet time for me, 
it is quiet time to prepare me. And there is a difference. Love that differentiation. Yes. Yeah. It's not a quiet time for me so I can do this, this, be this or be that. It Uh is quiet time to prepare me to move forward. And that entails very simple uh, meditation every single day without fail for years and years and years. Meditation. Yeah, good for you. Awesome. Yes. Uh, and I do that meditation with a candle, if if, if it's okay to share. I light yeah, a please. candle. I light the candle and I look at the flicker of the little tea light candle, which is the source and the symbolism of the flame and the fire within us and the people Mm. that we meet in our lives. Mm. Each and every one of us has that flame, right? So I look at that flame to learn almost, get the energies from that meditation uh, practice by burning and lighting that candle, respecting it in a way full of freshness because it's the first thing in the morning, right after your shower, right? And... After that, after I had done that, I do at least 10 minutes, 10 minutes of yoga and stretches, which involves breathing. And the reason I started that practice, that practice I started when I actually came to the United States. Mm -hmm. And I created that Zen practice. I mashed it with our dancing practice as a student when I, when I was learning the breathing and, the, and connecting your breath with your speech or with your performance, connecting your breath with your performance and being able to give the rawness of yourself. So I created that practice of 10 minutes of stretching every single day. Meditation, looking at the flicker of the candle, the light, to welcome that light within you, to carve that path, and also to burn, burn off all the negativity that you were breathed in the day before. Mm, I love it. That deep breath. I love it. And stretching it out to kind of make yourself nimble and, and flexible and add that skip in your step. And one last thing. Uh, for my physical health, every single day, as I used to, we, we, we did this as a family growing up in India. My grandmother made, made us do it. Didn't like it then, love it now. Hot water with turmeric and honey mm. every day. Mm. Every single day. And drink it up like medicine. I sound like a yeah, doctor yeah. rather than... <laughs> but you're, you're and, touching on what we know, the four the four realms of restorative needs of every person yeah. but certainly every leader right you're, you're, you're talking about the physical you're talking yes. about the emotional the mental or yes. cognitive and the spiritual all four of those leadership yes. quotients thank you thank and you, on thank a daily you, basis you. that's your that's your um that's your rigor your dedication your commitment to your restorative practices so you can keep serving and giving that's what i hear that's beautiful benifer thank you so much you're welcome is there anything else you'd want our listeners to know about your leadership experience? I wanted to share two things. And the reason it was important to me is because for the listeners, 
they may be able to relate, especially in the community. And it is also in a way of my tribute by saying this to the community that has given us so much. And that includes the theater community and the, the professional community that my husband and I are such a big part of. And it's this. And that really is my leadership experience. If I really had to, if someone was to ask me what is your personal experience, I think my personal experience is by observing these two huge experiences. And this is, this is the story. In 1988, we had a terrible fire in Boston mm. and uh, 1988, we were still in Boston at that time and we lost everything oh, and goodness. we didn't have any family uh, over here. So we really were very de much dependent on the local community, the American Red Cross. We also experienced what it is to live in a shelter what it is to live in a shelter. And my older son, who is now 33, was a year and a half old at that time. And at that time, I was still learning. And again, the word leadership didn't really mean much to me at that time, even though I was embodying the values throughout my life, right? Mm -hmm. And sure. one of the values that brought to me was how from adversity rises the goodness in the people Mm. to carve a path forward. And it just asserted for me the value of paying forward, the value of generosity of spirit, the our own awareness gave me the self-awareness lesson that I was looking for at age 19 as an immigrant of who am I. And this experience gave me the awareness of strength and the blind spots that I needed to look into. And another event after we moved to Syracuse in 2010, my husband and my younger son, who is now 26, were in an almost uh, fatal car accident. My husband lost the use of both his right hand at that time, and both his legs were crushed and completely, oh uh, he was helicoptered oh. in and all of that. Goodness. And he's an artist. He is an architect. He is a sculptor. And how do you tell that presence that you cannot use your right hand anymore or you can't walk anymore, right? right? However, talk about resilience. I want to tribute this to my husband who, with the sense of his own resiliency, understood what being a student again meant like all over again. So once again, my point of being an infinite learner and a student I saw that one more time in my life when he had to learn to walk and learn to draw all mm. over again after being the Master of Science in Architecture from MIT. And that's why none of those titles or anything else matters. It is the intrinsic service to other is what matters. And all of those values that I talked about earlier came in full force and cherry on the top he not only recovered fully, went on to design several sets for the theater community, won several awards, and just in six months' time, using his left and the right hand, did a one-man show of his work of healing therapy uh, that he was creating, the artwork, 
in the ArtRage Gallery in Syracuse and donated the funds that we collected to the free health clinic to provide them support and the help to folks who have no, you know, the advantage of getting that, mm-hmm. getting that help service. And that generosity of the spirit of the entire community coming together and cheering and giving back. And I learned the lesson of paying forward. I learned the lesson of inspiration and impacting not only each other, but how to lift using that generosity of spirit. And the community did that. And uh, uh, I, 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 Thank you so much for being so gracious with your time. My apologies if I took too much time, but I really wanted to share this as a tribute and use this voice to kind of honor all those people. Benifer, thank you. We're honored to have this time with you and for your stories. They are inspirational and an absolute gift for all of us and our listeners. Benifer, thank you for being with us today. As always, uh, an honor to know you. Thank you so much. Listen for more segments of Driving Leadership right here on the Get Emergent podcast, where we'll continue the conversation with a new leader every month. And come back in two weeks with Cindy Massengill and Ralph Simone, where they discuss real leadership challenges in a practical, comprehensive, and a relatable format.